And welcome to Land Parties, episode 66 from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me as always, my co-host, Lucas Egan. Lucas, how was your weekend, my friend? My weekend was good. I spent some time playing Pac-Man 99. Didn't get a win yet. Frankly, haven't gotten that close. I did get a couple of top 20 finishes, so that's progress for me, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, I also went back to play a game called Geometry Dash, which was a game I used to watch streamers play all the time and had Mm -hmm. actually never really played it myself. So it was only two bucks and I picked it up and I stink at it, but it's a lot of fun. How was your weekend, (laughs) Ryan? (laughs) It was good. You know what? You can't beat that price either. Um, I've been saying it. I can't stop playing. Playing Outriders, that's basically what I did this weekend, Uh, just grinding for gear, building up uh, different builds and stuff like that, so they have definitely, the servers have settled down quite a bit, there's still issues though happening with some of the multiplayer, but I have been able to cross play with some friends and things like that, so that's been fun helping to carry, because I mean again, I'm I'm over 100 hours uh, deep into the game now uh, so I'm able to go back and help some of my friends go through campaigns and work on expeditions and stuff like that so that basically uh, was um, my weekend so it was it was good and we did a lot of cleaning uh, we we did some cleaning here at the house and and it always feels good being able to then you know be in that clean space I feel like I my like internally like uh is represented by my external environment so anytime it's a mess i feel like kind of chaotic internally so like being able to clear the clutter and do all that stuff definitely has me like ah woo so enough about us though we got a very special guest uh today we've got brandon cole award-winning blind accessibility advocate and and consultant in video games brandon how are you doing my friend I am doing fabulous. Today is a wonderful day. I'm glad to be here. Uh, Thanks for having me. And uh, man, I'm looking forward to this great show. We are honored to have you. And I'm just going to sneak this into and a fellow member of the Game Awards future class. I've got to give you a shout out for that. (laughs) (laughs) Future class hype. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're we're excited to get into it, but we wanted to touch on a few topics, and maybe for the first time in the history of the show, we had news break right before we recorded. Yes, so we're we're ahead of the times here instead of behind. <laughs> but Sony has reversed their decision and are going to keep the PlayStation Store going on PS3 and Vita, which I know will make lots and lots and lots of people happy, myself included. Included. Thank goodness they decided to go back on this. What What are your guys' thoughts, though, on this? This is the right decision. Uh, like, there is just no universe where this isn't the right decision. Uh, game preservation being as important as it is these days, especially with the concerns surrounding digital purchases. When, when Sony was preparing to close off these stores in July and August, the overwhelming you know feeling here was, well, this is why you should be wary about purchasing things digitally. Technically, you still should, but at least this is a step in the right direction towards feeling a little bit safer about the purchases you made digitally on those stores. At the very least, uh, you'll have access to those things still. 
This is smart, though, I, I think. And you're and Brandon, you're 100 percent correct. This is always that fear of, you know, hey, if I go digital again, I've I've been digital now, basically all digital for the last uh, four or five years now. Um, but it is always a concern not having that physical copy. I know some people enjoy that or the fact that like, look, man, like even if they're offline, I want to be able to play my games. So I don't want to have to have that connection. So it was really concerning when they said, you know what, we're going to not move forward with the PS3 store and PS Vita devices or PS Vita uh, store. And I thought and, and and I think it's kind of indicative of the larger thing. I've been saying it for like the last year now. I'm totally a Sony fanboy, but it seems like especially of late, they keep having these little missteps. It's like they had this plan in place and they're not adjusting to what the, the climate and the situation is so you have, you know, they're moving forward with this plan that they they had. And it's like they just keep having these misfires. So, you know, I mean, I'm glad that they're doing this. But I mean, shame on you. Shame on you, Sony. It should never have even had to come to this. I think, yeah. you know, what's going on in those meetings? What's happening? I, I have I have two more things to add. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. The first thing is you're right about all the missteps Sony has, has taken le- uh, recently, but thank goodness, at least in this case, for the age of social media and the internet and, and mm-hmm. people speaking out about this stuff because that's how this stuff gets turned around. You know, it's, right. it's, it's feedback from consumers that makes this stuff get turned around. Thank goodness for that, or this really would be happening. Right. At the same time, I want to I want to throw a little perspective at this too. So I, I talked. I just I mentioned briefly when you were mentioning it that I have also gone digital uh, over the past several years, and a lot of the reason for that is, as a blind gamer, digital is not just easier because it's convenient because I can just download my games and blah 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 storage blah blah all that stuff. That's not the only mm-hmm. reason. It's it's more convenient as a blind gamer. It's actually more convenient because it saves me the trouble of having to go through a bunch of boxes that I don't know what they are. Right. And, and you know as this this applies to a lot of blind gamers. If you have if you don't have the resources to label every single game box that you have in Braille, which I actually do, I could do that to some extent. I have some I have a Braille labeler and I do have some some tape for it. But I, I have a lot of games. I don't know if I can cover all of them. Um, <laughs> so, but if you don't have those resources, digital is is better for you too because otherwise, what you're doing is you're picking a box at random putting in the game and maybe finding out once you launch it, what it is. And trust me, I grew up doing that. It takes a while. It's really kind of annoying. So the perspective here from me is that uh, in, in that way, digital is also kind of the better way to go. So I'm thankful Sony is doing this for that reason too, that I don't have to, I don't no longer have to worry about the P you know, losing those digital PS3, PS Vita things that I've already purchased. Yeah, very good points. And, you know, I always think back to that larger point, too, of just game preservation in general, right? This is something that this medium has struggled to find the right slash permanent solutions to. I mean, you look you look back to things like they preserve movies, you know, timeless music you can you can hear uh, years, years later. And, and gaming's got to figure this out. They've got to figure out an easy and permanent solution so you don't run into issues like the uproar that that Sony was getting when they had originally announced the closure of these stores. Uh, I will do a a note that the PSP store is still going to close as planned. So if you're a PSP fan and you're holding on to that, just just note that's still closing in July. But yeah, thank thank goodness 
Sony listened. Thank goodness the uproar was so loud. Otherwise, we'd be in a much worse spot than we are today. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to read a direct quote from uh, Jim Ryan uh, within this article. He says, uh, when we find when we initially came to the the decision to end purchasing support for PS3 and PS Vita, it was born out of a number of factors, including commerce support challenges for older devices, understandable, and the ability for us to focus more of our resources on newer devices where a majority of our gamers are playing on, which also, you know, that's what I kind of figure is like, you know, they're trying to move past that stuff and continue uh, moving forward. Uh, We see now that many of you are incredibly passionate about being able to continue purchasing classic games on PS3 and PS Vita for the foreseeable future. So I'm glad we're able to find a solution to continue operations. And this speaks exactly to what Brandon was saying. The fact that they actually listen the and and reverse you know again you know shame on you for having to do that but right, right. uh thank you for for listening to what the community is saying and i feel like this is so important especially right now because it almost feels like sony is becoming more and more out of touch with their community and and the decisions and things that they've been making as of late kind of it feels that way so to see them actually come out and say hey you know what we made a mistake we listened to what you said you guys are passionate about this we're gonna make it work we're gonna keep it you know props to sony on that that that's the kind of stuff that i want to see from them yeah i couldn't agree more couldn't agree more let's hope that they uh eliminate the need though to correct mistakes maybe they can get back on track a little bit after the past couple weeks here (laughs) that'd be nice to see I'm hoping so. Yeah, we believe. We believe. Go to Uh, to like some like Sony representative and pat him on the head. Like, come on, you can do it. (laughs) You can do it. I believe in you. (laughs) Switching gears real quick, we had the opening weekend of Overwatch League. You guys know if you guys been listening to this show, you know uh, we're both huge fans of Overwatch. So it was awesome to see uh, Overwatch League come back into play it was i i actually you know i sat down and i noticed that they made some changes now on the uh side of um youtube i did notice that they they now have the ability to connect your account to uh youtube so something similar what they had in um uh at twitch they now have where you can get a rewards and things like that for the time that you're watching, which I think is fantastic. I think it's a, a huge boon to them because I know, I mean, even if I wasn't, I didn't have time to watch, I'd at least have it up so I can get those, you know, get those rewards and things like that. So again, we have this incentive now on the YouTube side of things. Uh, there was also an article that I had read um, talking about as far as the, the, you know, we have the, we have them broken into two regions now, right? We have the East region and the West region. Although you have folks like Philadelphia Fusion and, and things like that that are over in the Eastern, uh, division. So I believe they are, they are housed up and living over in, uh, uh, somewhere over there in the Eastern, uh, I'm guessing somewhere in, uh, um, I believe Asia, uh, is where they're at. 
however they said and they've been looking at formats and 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 how they're going to make this season really work i know it's kind of looming with the vaccinations and things like that coming out that there's a possibility that we'll be seeing more things opening up i know they desperately want to get back to live events however i think moving forward you know there's going to be it's going to be more of a hybrid thing where where you know you may have some some live event stuff and it's not going to get there and we're not there yet however their solution is to actually run tournaments so it's not just staying regionally and you only play regionally until you meet in the last in the very championship game um they they suggested that they have them fly over to hawaii uh the latency is within an acceptable uh, uh range to be able to to play without it affecting the players um, you know, again, you're not having to worry about visas or anything that may come from, you know, having the vaccination or, or travel restrictions. Uh, so I think this is a good solution and this will kind of allow us to still get some matchups, uh, that we wouldn't have before, uh, if we just stayed regionally. There are a couple of things though that, that may present a problem. As far as in the East region, they're not going to be doing any traveling. However, if you're in a Western region, you then have to travel over to Hawaii to play these games. So, so travel fatigue could still be a thing, at least in the Western region. So I think there's a bit of an advantage being in the Eastern region. Um, but I, again, I think this is what, what's, what's really, I, I guess, kind of positive for me is the fact that they're moving forward, trying to figure out different solutions to be able to do something. I want to see this league succeed. I felt like last year. And again, we last year was an absolutely bonker year for everybody. Uh, But I felt that there was some missed opportunities on their side. But again, they were just scrambling around trying to figure out what are we going to do? Uh, you know, so it's kind of last year, I kind of feel was, and it was still fun, but like, I really felt the excitement in the air, getting down, getting the league going again. Um, you know, fusion, fusion came out strong, uh, dynasty was fair. You know, who really surprised me was the LA gladiators, although they lost both of their matches, they look pretty solid. So I'm going to be continuing to watch and see what's going on with them. Shocking up one and one as well. So they were our last year's champion. So I'm excited for the league to come back. This is this is uh, it, it, it's fun. What are your guys' thoughts on it? Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. You know, I think right now their plan is to have limited attendance at some of their later events. Uh, mm-hmm. So so we'll see if, if they're able to stick to those plans. It would be nice uh, if we're at a point later in the season that they could do that. Um Prediction-wise, I'm just going to throw it out there. You mentioned the Gladiators. So every Mm -hmm. year, every year it seems like the Gladiators is a trendy pick for them to break through. And they always (laughs) do okay. But there's always like a gap between them and like the top. Mainly like San Francisco. I Mm -hmm. think this is the year. I think I'm going to look like a fool. I'm sure of this. (laughs) But I'm going to say that this is the year the Gladiators break through. One of these years has to be it. Has to be it. So I'm going to go on a limb and say, watch out for the Gladiators. I think this is the year they put it all together somehow. And I think, watch out. Watch out for them. Uh, On the east side, I mean, it's so hard not to pick Shanghai. I know that they uh, had a little bit of a disappointing run at the end of the season last year. But, I mean, regular season, they went like, 
27 and two last year or something like that. Right. Like the talents all there. It's just so hard to pick against them out of the East. So I think, uh, I, if, if I had to guess right now for a really bad prediction, probably by the end of the season, I think it's going to be LA and Shanghai. And if it's right, I'm totally going to gloat. And if I'm wrong, I'm just going to, you know, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? What are your thoughts, Brandon? Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I have basically never followed the Overwatch League. I know enough to know that it's it's become a big deal over the past several years. And mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. I think uh, I think esports is definitely finding its stride, and I think that's great. I just I, I don't know if I know enough about this topic to necessarily offer much about it. <laughs> right, right. No, and no worries. I mean, you know, for me, and, and, and you're you're right as far as with that. You know, it's still a newer league, and I feel like esports in general is now starting to, you know, is starting to gain that traction, that popularity. The yeah. biggest thing about this though is that there's a ton of money in this. You know, there are from the owners and how much the clubs are are paying. You've got executives in major league sports and things like that. So it, it's definitely got a place here and they're going to do what it takes to make it succeed. I think part of that, them being able to succeed, and this is going to be the biggest tell. You know, the contract ran out with Twitch. We know that Twitch hosts the, the most amount of people to get that viewership and whatnot. But I do feel like YouTube gaming is on to come up and YouTube live is on to come up. And, you know, I feel like they're in a position because, again, it being Google, you know, they can use SEO things to get people in and stuff like that. Uh, they just need to find their footing and figure out a better way to, I, I guess, maximize both the digital space as well as then, of course, when they have were able to get people in for live events and open that stuff up. Uh, you know, a, a little wider that, um, you know, you could really see this explode, but it was, uh, it was actually, um, oh my goodness. I'm forgetting his first name. Reams. Um, Mitch. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Mitch. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Remember people's names. Uh, Mitch uh, said it, you know, the, the biggest thing for this is, and I know you've said this before too, uh, Lucas, is that they really now need to, to, Focus on building out some characters out of these out of these players and telling these stories because so many of them have amazing stories. And I feel like that's really where you're going to get fans and and even normal people connecting now with these gamers and and with these people that are a part of this league. That's where you get that attachment, I feel, to teams or certain players. And I really feel that there needs to be more of that and building up who these players are. The difficult thing though is that a lot of these people, you know, a lot of their kids they're kids. So you're talking about now all of a sudden they're like, there are millions of people are watching them and know who they are. And then, you know, you can't just throw somebody up there and then, you know, they may say something crazy or, or, you know what I mean? Get themselves uh, canceled. So it's a weird, you know, it's a weird line. So I'd like to see at least from the organizations, um, more, more building up of these uh of these players in that professional setting you know how to how to you know uh, in an interview how do you conduct yourself or you know yada 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 and just you know kind of focusing on some of that as well because obviously these kids can play the game um it's now getting these and pulling these stories and and 
these characters out and they need some training as far as with that too. Just hopping on, you know, that stuff takes training uh, and, and people, you know, if you haven't been doing that to be thrust into a spotlight like that and, and it, it's tough, it's tough. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It, it's good to see some Overwatch League back. I can say that for sure. Yeah. It's nice. Nice to see him back, uh, back going again. And you know, you're right, Ryan. Other sports leagues put their rookies through media training as part of like a, a welcome to the league package, training mm-hmm. package. That's probably worth doing for a lot of these leagues here to prepare some of these kids. And I know they're still a little younger than athletes, but especially if you look at like basketball, you, you get some pretty young kids that enter the spotlight there and they do a fairly good job of getting them ready for the uh, media scrutiny there. So that's something that they probably need to look into pretty quick. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to cover this season. We'll see if uh, Lucas's prediction. Remember, you said it was you said it was the Gladiators and hey, Shanghai. Uh, Shanghai. Shanghai on the record, y'all. It's on the record. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and then we're gonna talk. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk with Brandon. Get all the deets. We'll be right back, guys. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to that short message. And now comes the fun part of the episode. And Brandon, I've been looking forward to chatting with you for a while now, and and we're excited to have you on. So let's start at the beginning. What led you down the path to becoming a consultant here? Well, uh, that depends on how far you want to go in back to the beginning. <laughs> which, <laughs> which beginning would you like to hear about? Would you like to hear about the beginning of my time as a gamer? Or would you like to hear specifically about the consultancy path? Because there's they're two different stories, in my opinion. Let's do the gamer path. Let's start there. Sure. All right. Because and the reason I ask is because I genuinely love telling this story. Um, yes. So I always look for an excuse to tell it. Uh, <laughs> Okay. All right. So when I was a young boy, when I was a young lad, uh, approximately six years old, I believe, my older brother invited me to come play on our Nintendo that we had. Mm-hmm. And when I when I first heard this invitation, I was like, what? Video games? Like, even as a six-year-old, I was like, but they're called video games. I can't play those. Video games. Video. Spice. <laughs> seeing. I can't do that. But somehow, I don't remember how, but somehow he convinced me to do it. And so I head to the room where Nintendo is located. And uh, he pops in Super Mario Brothers. He hands me a controller, and the game begins. And before you know it, I'm jumping over pits, destroying enemies, collecting coins, saving princesses, and my goodness, somehow, the game ends. Why, it appears that I've beaten the entire game. Why, I, I I was elated. I was astonished. I was flummoxed. And that, <laughs> that, folks, is when my brother revealed the punchline. The punchline was that he had handed me the unplugged second player controller <laughs> while he played the entire game. None of my inputs resulted in anything. So, at the time... I actually very clearly remember being really crushed by this because I felt like I felt great. Like I felt like I, I just climbed a mountain that I didn't think was climbable, you know, like Mm -hmm. that level of greatness. 
that I had done something, and then to find out I had done nothing, just stood there like like a weirdo and pressed buttons on a controller that wasn't even plugged in. I mean, that's it, you know, it hurt at the time, but at the same time, that was when I made the vow that one day, and the at, at, at this point it was still fairly uh, fairly small. My my vow was simple. It was just one day I would beat one game, just any game, without his help. Mm-hmm. That was my vow. I was I was going to beat a game eventually without his help, and uh, that's what started me on the messing around with games, just playing games, even though I didn't, I wasn't sure what I could play or you know how well I'd, I'd get you know through it. Just playing games to to figure them out, to find the patterns, to learn their sound effects. I started learning that I could do that, that I could utilize ideas and sounds and concepts once I had learned them to uh, get mm-hmm. further in a game. And uh, I played a lot of games back then. I played, uh, I believe I played Double Dragon. I played yes. uh, the RoboCop game for Super Nintendo, or regular Nintendo. I didn't get anywhere in that game. I almost immediately got shot to death. Nobody did. Game. Oh, well, that's, that makes me feel better. All right. Put it in the cartridge, instantly die. All right. Yeah. Game over. That's a fun game for $30. $30. You know. Glad I paid that, glad I paid that, uh, that price. Um, no, but uh, I tried a lot of games from Nintendo to Super Nintendo. And finally... On the Super Nintendo, I finally did it. I finally found the game. I finally beat a game without my brother's help. And that game was the original Killer Instinct. Ooh. Nice. Indeed. The original Killer Instinct. I finally did it. I learned uh, a character well enough to defeat the computer in arcade mode. And uh, I was so happy about this when I beat the game that I ran out into our living room uh, from where our Super Nintendo was located. I ran out into our living room where my mother, who has literally zero interest in video games, like, does not care, does not understand why anyone else cares about video games. So I ran out to her and I said, Mom, come see this thing I did! And she comes in there, and, you know, again, keeping in mind that she already has no interest in video games, but also keeping in mind that the endings for Killer Instinct are very short. Uh Uh-huh. So by this time, by the time she actually came into the room, it was just the credits. So oh. that's all she got. But, you know, she knew enough to know that whatever I had done, I was happy for it. So she's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, it was, it was great, though. But the, the point is, I did it. And, and the rest is history. Uh, I never stopped playing games after that. I just kept going, kept learning about games, kept learning uh, what I could do, what I could, uh, you know, the workarounds that I could find for different games. And, uh, I made some pretty cool gaming-related accomplishments. Um, I, uh, I, I most famously, I guess, one of the, one of my favorite ones is I was playing. Well, I was I was listening to my stepdad play the original Metal Gear Solid, mm. and on PS One, not not the not the Metal Gears on Nintendo, but the one on PS One. Right. And I he got to the the, got the area just before the Raven fight, the the big uh, tank, the big uh, you know the tank fight. Uh huh. The area before that that uh, that fight is a room that is filled with infrared lasers uh, that are crisscrossing and go up and down uh, at different intervals throughout the entire room. And if you trip any of those, the doors close, lock, and you're gassed to death, which you have to watch every time. Oh, Lord. So he was having trouble with this. And for some reason, I was like, you know what? Let me try it. Which... It might sound ridiculous because I can't see these little lasers, right? Uh-huh. Totally blind, folks. 
As a reminder, I am totally blind. <laughs> okay? But I took the controller anyway. He left the room. Of course he did. Didn't want, you know. He should have watched me, but no. No. <laughs> um, no he left the room. And uh, I proceeded to begin to work the room out. Uh, so mm. through a, a case of a lot of trial and error, counting the number of steps I could take before I had to crawl or stop moving for a second, counting how long I had to stop moving for a second before I could move again, uh, when I was crawling, counting how many crawls I had to do before I could stand up, all that stuff, after about an hour, I made it through that room, that entire infrared-filled room. Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. And uh, I, the, the, fun, the great thing about that is I didn't need to show anyone credits this time. All I had to do was bring him back in the room and say, hey, look, here's the other side of the door. Yes. <laughs> you know, he was seeing stuff he hadn't seen before, which means he knew that I had done it. So, you know. There you go. Uh, it's it's that's that's what it was all about. A lot a long a long time. My gaming life was a lot of a lot of trial and error, a lot of uh, workarounds, a lot of figuring things out. And I don't th- I didn't I didn't really think about this until many 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 years later. But as it happens, I've been a consultant in my mind for my whole life. It didn't occur to me until a couple years ago. But now I realize, thinking back on all the things that I've done in games, I realize now that I'm always thinking about that stuff. Every time in, in the many years I've been playing and or listening to someone else play a game, because if I couldn't play a game, you better believe I listened to someone else that could play it, play it. So mm-hmm. uh, whenever that happened, whenever I couldn't play a game, I always considered what would this game need to make it so I could play it? I always thought right. about that stuff. And that brings me to my next story, <laughs> uh, because trust me, this is worth it. I actually wanted to try to make some change in the gaming world, even when I was a kid. I wanted to try. Mm-hmm. So I had the aforementioned uninterested in video games mom <laughs> write a letter to THQ. She actually dictated a letter uh, for me to THQ. We found their their mailing address, and we wrote them a letter about the WWF SmackDown games back then. It was like the like early, it was like the mid '90s back then when I was doing this. Well, probably late '90s. Um, so we wrote them a letter, and I was like, "Hey, THQ, there's so much. You know, I'm a I'm a blind gamer, and I I love your SmackDown series, but there's a couple things I'd love to see. I would love to see it if you know they called out the uh, the names of the selectable matches when you chose what match you wanted to play. I would love to see if there was an easy way to navigate to tables and ladders and TLC matches and, you know, stuff like that. I gave him a whole bunch of uh, little things I'd like to, to see in the game. Mm-hmm. We mailed the letter. A couple weeks later, we got a letter back. Now, this is my punchline. <laughs> because we opened the letter back, and it was a letter from, from THQ, and, you know, it, it, it might have been a form letter. Because what it said was... Keep in mind that I told them that I was a totally blind gamer. Uh-oh. It was a letter thanking me for my appreciation of their tremendous graphics. <laughs> yep. uh. My first consultancy gig, folks. Uh. Oh, man. 
You know, I, I told this story once at a, at a convention filled with game developers, and I apologized to the audience, just in case any of them had worked for THQ around that time. <laughs> so, so that was that. There is, though, some, some evidence that maybe, just maybe, and I can't prove this, okay? There's, there's literally no proof of this anywhere. Mm. There's, there's a possibility that I was listened to by somebody. Uh, even though I got that terrible letter back, um, the following SmackDown game, which was SmackDown 3, I remember I wrote this after I played SmackDown 2, SmackDown 3 had a button to uh, throw an enemy towards tables and ladders quickly, like it automatically mm-hmm. aimed at the at the table or ladder you're throwing them at, and when you chose a match type, it actually did have a narrator that said what the match type was that you chose. Ooh. Now, I don't know if they were going to do that anyway, okay? Like, there's literally no proof anywhere. The only contact I got back from them was the, was the terrible letter. But I'd like to think that maybe I actually did get through to someone there, and I just don't, you know, can't prove that. We're, we're going to give you credit for that one. Yeah, yes. that's right. Consulted on SmackDown 3, just bring it. There you go. <laughs> Unpaid, by the way. THQ, I'm waiting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go ahead right. and get that check now. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, it's only, it's only been, you know, 20 years, 20, yeah. 25 years. Go ahead and do that. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, in, in terms of the, the stuff that I'm doing now, that got started way back. Uh, the, the really the, the the beginning point that I can really point it to was about 2005, when my fiance, who is still my fiance, I won't get into that, but she's still my fiance. We've been we've been together for a long time. We've been together for almost 16 years. She said three words to me, and they weren't "I love you." She already said that, but these these particular three words were, "You should blog," and my initial reaction to this was. No way. Uh, keeping in mind this was 2005, I pointed out to her that I had a live journal. And yeah. I, 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 I couldn't keep up with my live journal. How does she expect me to blog properly? <laughs> so, but she convinced me and she helped me build my website uh, around the same time. Mm-hmm. So I started to blog because basically her, her thinking was, she had noticed that I always think about this stuff. She had noticed that I always had these ideas about how I could play these games because I told her when she played a game that I couldn't play, I told her what I would do to make that game playable, you know? And so she noticed and she said that I should write about it. And I started doing that, but I will, I will absolutely say I did it very sparingly at first because again, blogging, I'm terrible at keeping up with blogs, but I did it. And I guess that was the point, because several years later, and I do mean several years, way all the way in uh, 2014, someone had seen my blog, and it was someone that was doing a panel at the Game Developers Conference in, in 2014. It was Brian Schmidt, who had made an audio game on the iOS platform. He was putting together a panel of game developers that had made some accessibility uh, features uh, for the blind on mobile platforms, on the mobile platform. So... He invited me to that panel as the gamer perspective, the blind gamer perspective, uh, amongst all these panelists that were doing uh, these, this work. So I, I did that. I was told that I, quote, killed it, end quote, uh, during that speech. Uh, apparently, I was the best speaker of the four of them, which is a little sad. Um, <laughs> I don't, like, it was... I, like, 
it was it was my first panel and i was honored to do it don't get me wrong i was super happy to be a part of it with them but it's my first panel ever and uh and i got like all the praise and, it, and i don't know I don't, I don't know how i feel about that but anyway it was it was a great experience though because the, what it really did was introduce me to a, a wonderful individual named ian hamilton mm-hmm. and if you're in the accessibility community you know who ian hamilton is ian hamilton is to this date probably the most well-known accessibility advocate maybe of all time just purely advocating for accessibility everywhere no no one disability he wants accessibility all over the place mm-hmm. and he is great at his at his work to that end him being great at his work uh, he co-founded the game accessibility conference with Tara Volkar and because he had met me in 2014 and apparently was impressed enough he invited me to speak at the first ever game accessibility conference in 2017. Oh. I believe, I personally, thinking back on it now, and I've said this a few times in interviews uh, since then, so I, I guess I believe myself when I say it. I believe that the Game Accessibility Conference in 2017 was the moment when I finally decided that this work in the video game industry is what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, let alone like on the side. Like I was kind of doing it as a side hobby up until that point. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that was the moment when I decided. And a lot of that, I will fully admit, was fueled by... Uh, the the events of the day. So I was going to speak that day, and Ian Hamilton is a very caring kind of person. He wants people to know who they're speaking to as well. And that's very kind of him because, you know, I obviously couldn't look out at the audience and see all the badges and see who everyone was. Mm-hmm. So he made a point to tell me basically which companies were being represented in the audience that day. One of them was Naughty Dog. Uh-huh. Among, you know, many others. But one was Naughty Dog. And I loved The Last of Us 1. Uh, I mm. can't play it, but I had, uh, I had as, as I did uh, with all of the games that I couldn't play, I listened to my fiancé play it, and I loved it. And I, 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 as soon as I knew they were in the, in the audience, I worked into my speech, super clever, like, you know, super clever. That's what I do. Uh, I worked into my speech, man, oh, man, what I wouldn't give to play a game like The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. If you listen very carefully in the recording of that speech, you can actually hear one of the Naughty Dog reps that was there, uh, Amelia Schatz, uh, actually say in the recording, oh, we need to talk to this guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. So, and then they, they talked to me. Uh, right after that speech, they they pulled me aside, and we sat, we sat there talking for over an hour, I think, just kind of generally talking about accessibility, um, like kind of really, really basic ideas of, okay, if you had the chance, well, how would you make our game accessible? You know, what would you do to The Last of Us 1 to make it accessible if you had the chance? You know, stuff like that. Um, really basic stuff. And even then, I don't think I realized right away what had happened not only internally in my head, but with them as well. I don't think I don't think it quite clicked. I mean, I knew that I had a good day, a good speech, and a good conversation with the person from Naughty Dog, which is awesome. Uh-huh. But I, I don't think even then, I don't think for me it clicked right away. I don't think it really clicked until about two weeks after the Game Accessibility Conference when I was emailed by Naughty Dog to request that I would fly down to the studio and sell my ideas to the entire team. Oh. That's when I realized, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Something might be happening here. <laughs> so, of course, I agreed to this immediately. And I, I, I was smart enough to know that 
what I was doing there when I went to that when I went when I went to the Naughty Dog Studio for the first time, I was smart enough to know that what I was doing was selling myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I was all in. Like I was ready. I knew that I was trying to convince them to make a game fully blind accessible. So I had to sell them on the idea, not only that accessibility was the right idea, not only that blind accessibility was the right idea and the right thing for them to pursue, but I had to sell sell them on the fact that I was the one to work with to make that happen. Mm -hmm. There's there's stories that I could tell uh, about that too, but I think I'll just leave it uh, by, I'll leave it here by saying, clearly it worked. Um, <laughs> I, I did the right things. And here we are, uh, almost four years later, The Last of Us 2 is the most accessible AAA game of all time, especially to the totally blind, as it is the first totally blind accessible AAA game ever created. And I was, I was the reason for that like it's it's hard to like it's hard to say that because i don't want to sound like i'm like some giant ego tripping you know crazy person but like it's it's really true though i am the reason those features were implemented i i'm, I'm directly responsible for the design of some of those features so i i am in effect the reason that blind people all over the world can play the last of us too yeah that's a that's a very long answer but i hope it uh no, it was perfect. It was perfect. Let 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 me touch on the Last of Us Part Two then. When when you're oh, working do. with the teams there, what's what's the challenging part to make sure that these features are being implemented in in a way that uh, is up to your standards and is uh, so that the final product turned out as well as it did and, and received all the the laudage that it has. I think the biggest challenge is to not allow the team itself to fall back on their own assumptions. I had to constantly, and this is not a bad thing, this is a good thing, I had to constantly be present and in the moment and ready to say, no, wait, uh, a blind player is not going to do this, they're going to do this. Or I had to discuss the easy mode argument. Uh-huh. We're not, we don't want an easy mode, we just want to be able to play the game. There's a difference, you know? Right. I had to bring that up. I had to discuss the importance of narration and why it was important, even in places that we might not go a lot, you know, like photo mode. I, p- me personally, I'm never going to use photo mode. Never. I, I, I have no reason to. I, I just, I can't see it at all. It's just, there's no point. Right. But because I convinced them, if you go into photo mode, you have narration on, it's narrated as it should be. You know, all the, all the mm-hmm. options you have in photo mode are narrated if you have narration on the last was two, which is good. Because the thing is, you have to you you have to consider every uh, every uh, version of visual impairment. There are people that can see just enough that they might want to use photo mode, and for those people, their the the act of using photo mode is made easier by the fact that they don't have to force themselves. You know, they don't have to squint at the screen or anything. It's read to them by narration if they want to do it that way. So uh, there's that. There's uh, the whole concept of not designing for the super user. I had to. One of the biggest concepts that I had to I had to make sure they understood was that this isn't going to be a case of okay the blind can play a Last of Us game. For some blind people, this will be the first major game they've ever played. Right. Ever. All these concepts that that a lot of sighted people are used to 
uh, the concept of, of aiming properly before you shoot an enemy, the concept of uh, traversing a 3D environment. All these things are not new to you know, m- most of the average gamer, but they are new to a lot of blind gamers. So we needed to have the backbone there to support new players as well as, you know, you know, accommodate the ones that, it, that it were already used to it. That's why, for instance, uh, the the tutorial messages uh, for accessibility exist. There's, there, there are tutorial messages that will come up while you're playing Last of Us 2 that are specifically on only if you have the accessibility settings active. Mm-hmm. Just just to make sure that people of all levels can can jump in and, and have, have fun with the game. Just stuff like that, like really broad concepts like that. And I know how, you know, and I guess for me, I never realized just how important it was, you know what I mean, as far as with the accessibility. Uh, my friend Lex, she has, uh, there's certain colors she can't see. Um, she has a lot of, like, she's not blind, but like, she there's she has issues as far as with seeing and stuff like that. So I remember her commenting on this and she and and she specifically uh said your name as well. Um just wow, cool. how in-depth this was and how amazing it was for her. It completely changed her gaming experience. She had just finished the first one. So going from that to being able to hop into this and enjoy it in a way that she's able to enjoy it. Um, I, I know it meant a lot to so many people, uh, you know, just what, what is that feeling, I guess, like knowing that you've had such an impact on so many people across the world, you know, again, like you're saying that have maybe never even had the, the ability to play a game like this to being able now to wear all kinds of different varieties of, of customizing and, and being able to give people an option to be able to play this game. And also, what do you think this does for future games? Now that, hey, look, look how in-depth you can get with this. Uh, what's kind of your expectations as far as games coming out in the future as well? Well, I can. there's definitely two answers to that. First, first of all, uh, the feeling of having that impact is always, always humbling every time. And I say that because even today, I'm not even kidding, even today, it's not something that happens every day. It used to happen almost every day, but even today Mm -hmm. I still occasionally get thank you messages from people who took advantages of, of of features that I designed, you know, or helped design. Mm -hmm. I I get, I still get thank you messages from blind people who bought a PS4 or sometimes a PS5 uh, because of the last was two. Like Mm -hmm. this, this has sold consoles to blind gamers who in some cases never had a console right. before it's 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 really hard to convey what a big deal this is but it's a very very big deal and it's it's always humbling to get those messages and to and to interact with those people that that uh you know i i'm i'm a very large part of the reason that they're gaming at all or that they came back to games you know so i've, I've gotten messages from people who were sighted and then lost their sight Mm-hmm. And were gamers back when they had sight, but thought once they lost their sight that they couldn't game anymore. And then The Last of Us 2 happened, and suddenly they're playing a AAA game again. You know, it's it's super humbling. I can't, you know, it's it's hard not to, like, get emotional and talk about this stuff. Because it, it's really, it's it's great to know that I've I've given these people this much. But... Not, you know, not to say I'm done, because I'm not done. Right. <laughs> I am nowhere near done. You know, but uh, 
you know, it's 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 a really really amazing feeling, and it's it's something I don't think I'll ever recover from. Um, because every time it happens, it's just a reminder that I've done something that is 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 good, is like good mm-hmm. in in the truest sense of the word, like purely good, just giving people something that they they just didn't have before, and that's 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 tremendous. In terms of uh, games in the future and games um, because you know games as a result of this, it's actually already happening. Yes, this will continue to affect games in the future, but it's already begun. There are already plenty of examples. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla has, for instance, uh, sound effects when you do your um, I forget, Odin's Sight, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it plays a sound effect for items and enemies nearby, much like The Last of Us 2's Advanced Listen mode. Mm-hmm. The Spider-Man Remastered and Miles Morales games both have a Navasist mechanic that is not exactly, but very similar to The Last of Us 2. So it's already begun. The impact of this game is already being felt. Narration in video games has increased since The Last of Us 2. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, though it's not entirely playable by the blind, has tremendous uh, UI narration uh, via text-to-speech. Tremendous. It'll read everything from dialogue choices that you make to notes you pick up on the ground. Again, just like Last of Us 2. Yeah, it's it's already happening, and I I I am nothing but really excited for the future. I, I'm absolutely pumped for games that really get on this level. Because Last of Us Two, not only did we raise the bar with Last of Us Two, I like to say that we launched it into the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, even though it, it might take other studios some time, even though it may be a process, a step by step process, it is happening. People are climbing that ladder to reach that stratosphere, to reach that bar. Uh, Ubisoft is a great example as their accessibility has improved game to game for the past three or four games they've released. So it is happening, and I'm really excited for it. I, I can't wait to see what happens with, like, I just, I'm just i just imagining what games we might be able to actually play as blind gamers, uh, even though I'm not even, I, I'm not even involved in every project. I wish I was. Like, I, I always <laughs> want more work. But, like, like just, think, just think of, you know, every time... You know, I have a podcast too, and every time we bring up Ubisoft Star Wars, we both go nuts because, like I said, Ubisoft has been one of the people, one of the uh, companies that has been steadily advancing forward in blind accessibility. Their narration uh, has increased, their attention to audio cues has increased. They're steadily moving towards uh, total blind accessibility. So, if if we're right, and we hope we are, maybe just maybe. Ubisoft Star Wars might be the first fully accessible Star Wars game that a blind person can play. Ooh. And that's that is amazing. That would be awesome. I you know throwing this out there Ubisoft, you know, if you want to involve me in that, you know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? I am I am imminently hireable. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> so, aside from Star Wars, are there franchises that you'd love to work with to help bring some of these features to them? Oh yeah. But I, I don't know if I want to name franchises specifically. What I actually want the way I want to give that answer is I want to tell you how I view my goals as a consultant. Now that I've decided that this is what I'm doing for real, like this, like this is the work I want to do with the rest of my life. Now that I've decided that, I have adopted a a new way of looking at my personal goals as a consultant. And what that is, is I now think of my goals by genre. Because what it's about to me is it's about bringing to the blind community experiences they don't they don't currently have. So 
my genre goals are like this. I want to bring the blind community a 300-hour RPG like The Witcher 3. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be The Witcher 3. I just want it to be a 300-hour monster RPG. Right. I want to bring the blind community an 80-hour open-world monster piece like Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, or Odyssey, or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. an Ubisoft kind of formula, open-world monster. I want to bring them that. I want to bring the blind community a platformer. I want to bring the blind community a multiplayer shooter. You know, these are the, these are this is how I set my goals now, and I welcome the chance to work on any of these projects. And I I, I embrace the challenge. You know, I, I'm the I'm the kind of person who believes that anything can be made accessible. Anything, if we're willing to try to put the thought into how it is how it can be done, and to do it to work to make it happen. I, I really believe that. Even multiplayer, as much as big of a challenge as multiplayer would be. I, I would love to embrace that challenge. What What's the biggest hurdle the gaming industry at large needs to overcome to make these accessibility features widespread? I think the biggest hurdle is probably knowledge. There are still developers out there who like to assume that they know what we need without actually consulting with us, and that's, that's the worst thing. Uh, if you're doing any kind of accessibility work, not just blind accessibility, but accessibility in general, you have to work with us. You have to work with the disabled who are going to play your game once it's made accessible. Work with consultants like myself, like Morgan Baker for deaf and hard of hearing, like Paul Lane for motor impairment, mm-hmm. or Josh Straub for also, also for motor impairment. Work with us because we're the ones who know what we need to play your game. I'm sorry, but on your own, until we have, until we have enough games established that do these things right, uh, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think a developer should just take from one game and say, yep, we know what to do now. Because every, di- every game is a little different. Every game. And uh, so it's we're going to be essential. Like, y- you need us. I'm, I'm sorry, but you do. There is a very infamous thing that I, that I, I, don't, I don't like to, to call it out, but I kind of do all the time anyway. <laughs> because <laughs> because it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the worst examples of this. So if, if anyone is listening to this podcast that has worked with or for Rockstar Games... I apologize to you. <laughs> Much like I apologize to you employees. But here's the thing. Rockstar released a statement once that said, if we were to make Grand Theft Auto V accessible, it would cost us $128 million. And I, I, I saw that, and I'm just thinking, how do you know? Right. Do you, do you actually think that you know every single thing that we would need we actually probably need less than what Rockstar is thinking we need. Mm-hmm. But do they know for a fact? No, they didn't consult with anyone before they released that. They released a number because they didn't want to do it. They wanted to show people how much accessibility costs by throwing a number out there. And I believe the number was like exactly half of the budget of the game itself. Because the mm-hmm. game costs like $250, $250 million to make GTA, GTA 5. So they, they threw a number out there as a way of saying, it costs too much. We don't want to. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I hate that. I hate that that's, that's an assumption that they made. I wish, I wish that people like me had been brought in on GTA V. I wish, because I would have been happy to work with them. Now, I will say this. I'm not, I'm not saying, when I, when I bring this up, I am not saying that accessibility doesn't have a cost. It does have a cost. Mm-hmm. But do I believe it would cost $128 million? No. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> And, you know, I don't buy that at all. Now, I will also add this, though, in, in, you know, I guess in their in their favor, whatever you want to call it. But I will also add 
that yes, it is much more difficult to patch accessibility into an existing game than it is to add it to one you're building from the ground up. I know that, but still, $128 million? No, come on now, come on now, give me a right. There, there is a There is a guy that I know, another blind guy, that made a mod to Grand Theft Auto V on his own for no money. It doesn't make the whole game accessible. Okay, let's be clear about this. It doesn't make the whole game accessible. It doesn't, it doesn't make the story mode playable. But it does add some of the features that would be necessary to make that game playable. It adds a lock-on indicator for targeting. It adds narration via text-to-speech for certain menus. Now, mostly it's, it's just the menus that are specific to that mod. But still, it's, it's, the point is, this guy did this on his own. He created what I call the ultimate mess around mod. So it's kind of one of those mods that you can trigger things like you can make explosions happen randomly, or you can make, you can teleport <laughs> places. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of mod. But the point is he made it for the blind. He gave us a part of Grand Theft Auto V we, again, didn't have before. So it is no less valuable because it's not a full experience. It's still an experience that we can now have a GTA V. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, so... I am answering every question with a very long and complicated answer. I hope that is okay. <laughs> no, we like it. We like it. Good. Yeah. Good. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's, you know, and, and the thing too is not even just like hearing or, or, you know, visual impairment, you have physical uh, impairments as well. And you really like, I feel like the gaming space, I love how, just inclusive it is and how they're open and becoming more and more open to wait a second we didn't think about this before let's bring on some people that do know and would know what would work they're working to to bring you know bring those games to more people and and i i love seeing that uh just how much work is going into uh making these games more accessible for everybody otherwise you know i i I, I just I would have never thought about it. Now now I find myself going in just to look at the uh, the options and the different things that you can do. And I and I'm always speaking with my friend Lex, who always gives me that insight, you know, from her perspective, uh, just how how much it changes her experience as opposed to oh I know you know certain things I can't look at the screen because it'll trigger a seizure or yeah, you know yeah. this and that you know because I know that was a, a huge thing for her with uh, uh with cyberpunk and the fact that and I don't know how this happened that they did not have some sort of warning uh because that game I mean that game is super intense and there are certain scenes that absolutely and there was no warning. It's like, how did something like that happen? Oh, oh, there was a warning. It was just buried in their ULA. That's to- right. That's right. <laughs> it's it like, buried. why would you like who who made that decision to yep. do that? Because that was terrible. That could seriously injure somebody. And and like how it gets buried there, that was absolutely beyond me. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. You know, Brandon, um, if you could tell your younger self, maybe the the younger you that that had was. Uh, quote playing alongside your brother all those years ago what what advice would you give him now what would you tell him to uh, be the controllers unplugged <laughs> <laughs> oh you mean besides that oh. just just seeing where where your career has taken you to this point is there something that you wish you knew back then that kind of yeah. direct your path differently yeah in all seriousness i'll answer this question seriously now uh, I think if I were to give my younger self advice, it would be to pay more attention to those thoughts in my head. 
write more letters like I wrote to THQ, regardless of the response that I got, do that more, get noticed by these companies. You know, whether or not that, that letter actually affected THQ's uh, production of SmackDown 3, I don't know. I'll never know. I'll never know. But whether or not it did, I, st- I should have kept doing it. I wish I wish I could have told my younger self, keep doing it. Keep getting your opinions out there. And maybe just maybe I could have affected some earlier games, you know, before, you know, before I started doing this work for real. <laughs> and I have to ask you something a little unrelated here. So <gasps> I'm going to apologize in advance. <laughs> Have you, you said you've been en- engaged for nine years? I've been engaged since 2008, actually. So... Oh my goodness. What? Can, okay. Is there a <laughs> wedding date planned? <laughs> there is not a wedding date planned because I, I would like to introduce you all to the terrible disability system that, that this country has. Oh America no. Has. Mm. Um, it is not practical for me and my fiance to get married because it could affect our benefits negatively. What? Oh, right. This is the this is the system we live in, folks. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we've we kind of look at the engagement as the commitment. That's that's kind of how we are with it. We're we're mm-hmm. fully committed to each other. The fact that we haven't gotten married is not like a negative on the relationship. We're fully committed. It's just that it doesn't make sense from a legal perspective for us to risk losing our benefits. Oh, that's I know that's terrible. that's a bunch of nonsense, but. That's the reality we live in. That is very, yeah, that is very much a, it, it, it's crazy how that works. And it's like, oh, well, you guys are together. And now you lose this section of it because you guys are a, you're a couple as opposed to being single. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Not. Great. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and take that. Take that. Yoink. Like, what? Oh, man. Thank you for your marriage license. <laughs> yeah. We will now take all of your money. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be how much? Um, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the extra taxes. Well, let yep. me let me get back to some gaming related questions again. I just I just was curious about that. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, I don't mind. So, okay, there are rumors going around on potential projects that Naughty Dog could be working on. Um, mainly, there seems to be these uncharted rumors that they want to bring that series back. Is that something that anybody's talked to you about? (laughs) Okay. Okay. So this is going to be a two-part answer. (laughs) Part one. If they had talked to me about it, do you really think I could tell you? (laughs) He's got to try. Part two. No. But... You, you don't have to believe me when I say that because I couldn't tell you if they had. <laughs> I can tell you all day long that I'm being honest that they haven't contacted me about that. But, you know, who knows? <laughs> See, this this is where I add in my article said suspiciously. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Right. Yep. <laughs> but look, if they do it, if they really do it, I hope they contact me because I would, again... Another experience. Uncharted is not the last of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Uncharted is definitely another another experience I would love to bring to the blind community. I, I really would. Uh, and if if the if the Last of Us one remake stuff floating around, if, if there's anything to that, which again, not currently working on it. I know you don't have to believe me when I say that, but I'm not. If there's anything to that, uh, what I wouldn't give to be a part of bringing blind people the entire franchise, not just the second half. You know what right. I'm saying? 
Yep. One of the things I, I talked about this on our my, my podcast as well. One of the things that I did in preparation for my my uh, official announcement of my involvement in The Last of Us Two, one of the things that I had to do was prepare myself to answer one question over and over again because I knew it was coming. And that question was, well, but what about the first one? Right. Uh, and so what I did was I I looked up a few really good Let's Plays of The Last of Us One. Mm-hmm. Because that's my only answer that I could give. Because unfortunately, just the way the way it is, we can't play the first game right now. So if they really are remaking, and it has to be a... I, I understand that in order for accessibility to even be a, a chance, it has to be a full-on remake. It can't right. just be a remaster. So if they are really remaking The Last of Us 1, there is at least a chance that the blind is going to get the entire franchise. And that, that has me really excited. I mean, yes, the Uncharted rumors do too. But I, I would love to say, oh my goodness, now you can play The Last of Us 1 and 2, one after the other, if you're totally blind, all over the world, let's go. Right. You know, I would love to be able to say that. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Absolutely. Brandon, yo, thank you so much uh, again for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Tell us, uh, where can we find you on the socials, the Breakdown Walls podcast as well? Yeah. Give us the deeps. I got all. I got a lot of deets. Prepare yourself <laughs> yeah. for deets. All right. You, you can find me in a bunch of places. On Twitter, I am superblindman. Twitter.com/superblindman. Superblindman is going to be a common theme going forward, so pay attention. <laughs> uh, on Twitch, I'm superblindman. Twitch.tv/superblindman. On YouTube, I'm superblindman. YouTube.com/superblindman. Uh, the Breakdown Walls podcast can be found at breakdownwalls.net/podcast, or just go to breakdownwalls.net. And you can learn about our entire movement. My fiance and myself created this movement called Breakdown Walls. The idea is that we're breaking down the walls between disabled and non-disabled gamers, streamers, and people in general. And it's it's a it's a uh, kind of a movement where we all support each other, lift each other up, and just be awesome humans to each other. The Breakdown Walls movement, boom. Uh, our podcast focuses on bringing you gaming news from two different perspectives. We try to do our best to bring you kind of the the, the typical gaming news flow. But then mm-hmm. we re- we revisit gaming news from an accessibility perspective. So sometimes we'll we'll have we'll have separated segments. We'll have gaming news and accessibility news, but we'll have we'll we'll talk about the same article in both, but from different perspectives. Sometimes it's really cool like that. It's it's really fun to do this show like that. Um, we also have interviews as well. Um, people in the accessibility community, people that are allies of accessibility. We recently did an interview with a guy uh, that goes by Gorilla's Playthrough. He's on YouTube. He's a content creator who makes gameplay videos. But he audio describes them for the blind. Oh, nice! Oh, yeah. I actually uh, now am one of his. I, I employee is not the right word because I don't get paid. But I actually uh, do work for him now because I, I also I also do voice acting work every now and then. And he hired me on as a narrator for him. So if you want to hear me doing audio description narration, check out his Baldur's Gate series of videos. I'm I'm an episode, I started in episode eight. I'll be episode nine as well. Sweet. So there you go. Um, man, a lot of stuff. My website is brandoncole.net. My blog is there. Uh, you can read about all the things I've written about gaming. Uh, my media page is there, so you can find instances where I've appeared in the media, like different articles and, and videos and podcasts and whatnot. And my actual consultancy slash speaker hiring page is there. So if you are a person that works in the game industry or even doesn't and wants to hire me for something, uh, that's where you do it. So BrandonCole.net is the place to be for that. Yeah, I think those are the major the major ones. I'm not going to throw all my 
support links out there. But those are the major <laughs> ones. Check those major ones out. Those have links to all they they have. They spread out into the interwebs yes, to everything do. else. They sure do. <laughs> Brandon, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I'm 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 happy to be here, man. Happy to do this. I love talking. I love talking about accessibility. I love I love spreading the accessibility word, as they as I like to say. Because the more people that know about it, the more people that are willing to educate themselves on accessibility, what it is, how it works, you know, the happier that I am. Because that, that means I probably get more work, and that means more games are made accessible, and that means it is more embraced by the culture at large. So I'm happy to do it. We can't wait to do it again, Brandon. We'll, we look forward to talking to you again in the future here. Absolutely. Bring it on anytime. Just let me know. Absolutely. Lucas, what do you got uh, going on this weekend, my friend? Uh, so... <laughs> Okay, I'm going to get into the top 10 in Pac-Man. That's my next goal. I'm going to slowly get my way up there. I, I, I get this feeling that if I ever win, which is a big if, if I ever win a game of Pac-Man 99, I might just stop playing it because that's like never going to happen again. <laughs> so, <laughs> Quit while you're ahead. Right? Exactly. Right? Like there's, it's been such a steep drop for me from Super Mario 35, which I could just win like so gosh darn much. And now and Pac-Man 99, I'm like, I... Okay, <laughs> like I'm just there. <laughs> it's a but whole other beast. It is. It is. Beast. But I'm also counting down the days to Pokemon Snap, which comes out at the end of this month. So mm. we're close. We're close. I'm mm. way more excited than I should be for this game, but I'm super pumped. What about you, Ryan? You know what it is. I'm going to be on that Outriders grind, but I also need to. I totally bought Monster Hunter Rise. I haven't even turned it on yet. I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> so maybe I'm going to try to work in some Monster Hunter Rise as well. Uh, Destiny 2 is getting close. I think there's about a little less than a month for the season. So we haven't even seen what's going to be coming towards the end of this season and, and what what's in store for next season. So that's always exciting, but I've really enjoyed this season so far as far as with that. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's basic my, uh, uh, my weekend for that. I'm going to be working too. I got to work. I've got to shoot, uh, this weekend. So I don't know how much gaming I'll be doing, but I am taking Friday off. So you best believe <laughs> Um, <laughs> anyway, no, I think I believe. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Yo, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of Land Parties. Don't forget, you can find us on the tweeters at Land Parties Pod, uh, Lucas Egan or Smitty2447. We appreciate you guys. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is we love your faces. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.